0: I'm humbled today as I'm reminded of Sunday, July 9th, 2017, so nearly four years ago next month was when we opened up the Bible to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 1, and we committed on that day almost four years ago to journey through this six-chapter book verse by verse and allow the Holy Spirit to Disciple us and pastor us and teach us through this inspired by God book. And now here we are today getting ready to finally close this book up. Today I'm excited to preach the 75th sermon in our series through the book of Ephesians. Amen. Let's go. We love God's word. We believe every word proves true. Every word is helpful. Every word is inspired by God. Every word has something for us, and so we move slower rather than faster through books in the Bible, and we believe that God teaches us through each session. Sometimes we'll preach on a verse. Sometimes we'll do a chunk of four or five verses. Sometimes we'll do one word, but we just allow God to, to teach us. We're on his time, amen? God time. And so today we're gonna finish this book in Jesus' name. When we first started this series, we opened up to Ephesians 1, and I, and I really centered the first chapter around verse three in a series that we titled The Blessed Life. Let me read Ephesians 1-3. So we're gonna do some recap today, all right? Ephesians 1-3 says it like this. Come on, let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We talked about how the Christian life is actually the blessed life. And that blessed life is sometimes a phrase that's taken out of context. It's used and applied to things that aren't really biblically blessed. However, in the Bible, we find that the blessing of God follows the Christian. The person who says, I've repented of my sins. I put my faith in Jesus. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm on this journey walking in him. God says, man, that's a blessed life. God says, bless him first and then. The blessings in Christ will follow us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The reason why I wanted to start with that verse is because the book of Ephesians really is a beautiful picture of these gospel gems that fall from heaven into our lives. From the oldest person in the room to the youngest person in the room, there's these blessings that flow from heavenly places into each and every one of our lives. And as we conclude this book, I just wanna remind you of what some of those blessings are. I wanna remind you that some of those blessings are on display for us today. We're not gonna walk through all those blessings, but Paul, he closes this letter with a, a, a benediction, a closing statement with these blessings that flow from heaven. So if you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say ready. let's eat. Father, right now as we get ready to eat from your word in this final sermon through Ephesians, Holy Spirit, we ask you one more time. We've been praying all throughout this service. We want to come to you again and ask you now to give us blessings from above through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and look at the final two verses in Ephesians 6, verses 23 and 24. Peace be to the brothers, some translations will add, and sisters because that's a word that encompasses both genders. Praise the Lord. Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 24 starts out with this word. Say it. Come on, say it louder. One more time louder. Look at the person next to you and say grace. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And then Paul closes up this letter. He signs it. He seals it. He gives it to Tychicus. And we have it today in our Bibles. Amen. This 2,000-year-old letter is fresh with God's word for us here today. A couple weeks ago, I talked about that word peace. I thought I was going to wrap it up and hit these both. But God just said that, that this was a time to really lean into the peace of God. And so we highlighted that first part, peace be to the brothers and sisters. And I want to just talk about that word peace because in this closing benediction, Paul wants us to close and go with peace. Amen. He says, make sure that you leave in the shalom of God, that the peace of God covers your heart, mind, and soul in Christ. Peace is such a big deal. We talked about how to have peace with God through faith in Christ and how peace comes down from God to his people and how when we have peace with God and peace from God, then we have peace with the people of God, amen? When you have peace with God and peace from God and peace with the people of God, then you have peace of mind and peace of heart. And Paul says Ephesians, Las Vegans, walk church, online, in person, walk in his peace. He goes on from there to continue and he says, and love with faith. I wanna just highlight that word love. Notice these gospel gems. Notice these blessings that flow from the heavenly places. He says, the first one is peace. Come on, you can't buy peace, amen? You can only receive peace from Christ. Then he says, and also love. It's the Greek word agapeo, agape. The word agape means unconditional. It means you can't put conditions on this type of love. This is not an if-then love. This is not a I'll love you if you do this. This is not I'll love you, but you must do that. This is not a I'll stop loving you if you don't do that. Amen? This is not a love how we typically love in our own fleshly state. We tend to put conditions on all types of stuff, don't we? But God says here that he loves us. Paul says, peace be to the brothers and love. This is a choice love. The Ephesians embodied this love. They had this love for each other. They had this love for St. Paul. They had this love for the brothers and the sisters in the Ephesian church. The Ephesian church was likely a small church, a house church, that Paul planted in a pagan city. And Paul says, don't stop loving each other. Brothers and sisters, can I just say that to you here today? Come on, church, if, we're, if, we, if we could be a, chur- a church that's known for the way we love each other, known for the way we love God, not a worldly, fleshly love, not a conditional love, not just a phileo love, which is a brotherly love, but an agape love that says, I'm gonna love you even if. A choice love, a, a love that says, I don't love you based upon my feelings, because our feelings, come on, they come and go, amen? Our feelings are a lot like Las Vegas weather. Sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's not so hot. A lot of times it's hot, Sometimes it's windy and random. Our feelings come and go. Praise God, God doesn't love us based upon feeling. God loves us based upon choice. This is gonna be a convicting word, spoiler alert, conviction alert. Sometimes my wife and I will meet with married couples and they'll say, man, we just feel like we don't love each other anymore. Well, I'm gonna say, praise God, it's not about your feelings. It was never about that. I mean, feelings follow your actions, no doubt. Feelings matter. I don't discredit feelings, but if you say you agape somebody, that means you choose to love in spite of how you feel. But what I've realized, I saw Chloe clapping. I'm going to clap with you, amen. If one person claps, we all clap, amen. What I've realized is when I choose to love anyway, my feelings will catch up. When I say, you know what, I don't feel like I love you. And everything in me wants to isolate from you. But when I choose to love anyway, at some point my feelings come around. At some point I said, you know what, this is not so bad after all. I'm glad I didn't make a permanent decision based off a temporary emotion, amen? I needed to choose love. Now, obviously, there's situations that are complicated. This isn't a sermon on marriage only, all right? This is a sermon for the church. You need to be wise in all decision-making. However, I just want us to be a church that is defined by agape love. Here's why it matters so much. In John chapter 13, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, the world will know that you are my disciples based upon your agape for one another, that this watching world outside is not impressed with the church inside because our love doesn't reflect anything miraculous. Our love is not set apart. And brother, sister, I just wanna encourage you with that to have a high view of love. There was once a, a Pharisee, a lawyer, who approached Jesus himself and said, hey Jesus, there's 613 commandments in the Old Testament. How do you know which one's the greatest? And let's look at Jesus' response in Matthew chapter 22. He says, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, start with love for God because when you have genuine love for God, that same vertical love will start to make its way through you and it'll become horizontal love. Look at the next verse with me. Jesus doesn't stop there. Some of y'all wanted to close it up there and say, I love God, but God says, keep reading. This is the great and first commandment and the second is very close. It's like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus says you could read all 613 laws, and then you could even read Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and all the prophets in the Old Testament. And check this out. They're all saying these statements. Just basically love God with all of you and love your neighbor like that. Amen? Two of y'all clapping. I like it. Amen. We're going to do this together. This is challenging stuff. Is this easy? Find me the verse that says this is easy. In fact, Jesus says the the broad road that leads to destruction is easy, but the narrow path that leads to life is hard. But greater is the one in us than the one who's in this world. Praise God, we have the same Jesus who told us what to do, doing exactly what he told us to do through us. That when you can't love the way God calls us to love, he says, I can love through you. When you don't have it in your own strength to forgive, well, guess what? I do. I have blood for that. I have forgiveness for that. He says here, and love. First John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. You might have a, a low gas tank, a low love tank today. But friend, go ahead and fill up on the love that he has for you that in spite of your sin, God still loves you. That it wasn't while you were all cleaned up, good and perfect, sitting in church with your Bible open and your hair brushed, right? It wasn't then that God said, oh, I love this person. No, it was actually while you were still a sinner, apart from God, on your way to eternal destruction, making the worst decisions you could possibly make, that God said, Oh, I love you so much that I even wanna get your attention. And I even want to draw you near, and I really want to do something with you, and I want to speak to you, and I want to walk with you, and I want to journey through life with you, and I want to meet you in your ups and downs and all arounds. Amen? I I need to be reminded of the love of God. Paul talks about that. He says, and love. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about this phrase love. There's more to get to here. We're gonna get there, but the 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 love piece is so key for the Ephesians. Let me give you some reasons why. Because you're known by your faith if you love one another, if you love God, this is the greatest commandment. But these Ephesians, hear me, church, they started to excel and grow. And their church grew in there, their budget grew in their. Their calendar grew and the lights got brighter and the stage got bigger and the Ephesians made it into the Bible and then in the book of Revelation, St. John gets this vision into heaven and God speaks through an angel to John in the book of Revelation. It says, I got a message for the Ephesians and here's what God tells them. Look at it in Ephesians chapter two, Revelation chapter two, verse four with me. The New King James Version, it says, nevertheless, I have this against you, Ephesians. You've left your first love. The reason why Paul closes this signature by saying don't stop loving is because if we're not careful, we'll leave the thing that started us. We'll start getting into the busyness of church and forget about the love that compelled us in the first place. Listen to how the... NLT says it. He says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Let me ask you, church. Let me ask you online. Do you have the same love for God that you once had? Do you have the same love for the people in the room like maybe you did when you first started coming to church? or when you first heard the gospel, when you first realized, man, I'm a sinner, I'm on my way to hell, I need blood, I need forgiveness, I need grace, I need mercy, and then you found it. And God said, here it is. And then you said, Oh, I'm in love with the King of Kings. I, I, could, I could sing of your love forever. Now you're like, I can sing for about two minutes. I, can, I, I used to read through the whole Bible. Now I got, you know, like I might give God the verse of the day. And the app better remind me or else I'll forget it. And I just want to encourage you in this final message through Ephesians. Church, don't forget about your first love. I don't know if I'm ready to ask Jesus, do you have a complaint against Walk church? And I'm sure that he would say that there's some areas we need to strengthen. One I hope he doesn't say is that you forgot about your love. For me and for each other. And we're called to love each other. Amen, if you got all that, say, I got it. All right, you said you got it, all right. I should have said, if you, if you don't got it, say, I don't got it. There's grace for us, amen. We can always continue to grow in this, amen. Walk church, we can grow in the way we love God and the way we love each other. And praise God, Jesus is down for the journey. He's ready for that. He, he says, Paul says to the Ephesians, he says, and love with faith. So we look back at verse 23, he says, and love with faith. He says, it's love for God that really is the evidence of your faith in God. He says, if you love God, that's a picture that you believe in God, that it's faith in God. And faith is such a big component in this letter and throughout the Christian faith Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we see this hallmark verse in the Bible. This verse alone should be on all the coffee mugs, amen? It says, For by grace you, who, you, who, me. Come on, tell the person next to you, this is your verse. I like how Rose did that. She said, This is y'all's verse. <laughs> this, this is my verse. For by grace you have been saved. Through what? Come on, don't say your works. Don't say your good deeds. Don't say, man, because I'm just that good. Don't say because I've just been working out at the gym. No. You've been saved through faith. By grace through faith. Grace and faith. They work together. These are the gospel gems that flow down from heaven. Blessed be the Lord who gives us every spiritual blessing. What blessing? Grace. And faith and saving grace and faith. And then he says, and check this out, Walk Church, don't get it twisted, this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Come on, love from God is a gift from God. Faith comes down, it's a gift from God. You might say, well I believed, friend, you didn't believe on your own strength, even it was God himself who gave you the ability to even wake up and believe in him today. It It was the Holy Spirit that gave you illumination. Right, that you got to you, you you woke up and you said, "Hold up, I see differently." Jesus used to be just this picture of somebody on the cross. I would walk by him. Didn't move me, but then God gave me eyes to see with faith, and I said, "Oh, that's that should have been my cross. That's the blood that was shed for me." Praise God for faith. It was faith in that gospel that that led to your saving. You need love, you need grace, you need peace, you need faith, amen? Paul is concluding this letter, this closing benediction with the gospel gems that travel down from heaven into each one of our lives. Faith is so key because if you don't have faith, you don't have hope. If you don't have faith, I would even reckon today that God is not pleased with you. Don't get it twisted. God loves you, but I don't know that he's pleased with you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 teaches us this verse. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I think God loves, God receives pleasure when you believe in him, when you have faith in him, when you say, I know, but God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God, I believe, he's looking for a church who says, by faith, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek you first. Those who seek God and his kingdom first will have everything that they need. Those who seek his righteousness first will look around and say, you know what, I, I have enough. Love with faith, peace and love and faith. And he continues, right? He says, There's more here to walk by faith and not by sight. I love how John Phillips, in his commentary on the book of Ephesians, Phillips says, Love is the source and faith is the force. Love reaches down, faith reaches up. Amen. Love is the alpha and an omega, the beginning and the end. Faith lies in between. Love reaches out the hand of God. Faith takes hold of it. Love provides all we need. Faith appropriates it. But we need love for God. We need faith in God. We have faith in God. Well, guess what? God loves that. Faith and love work together. And peace is following that. The final gospel gem that I really want to talk about this morning makes it way, its way to us in verse 24. Paul says, peace be to the brothers and love with faith from, from, from God the Father, the, the Father himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, grace. Come on, some, somebody say grace one more time. Grace. grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Paul concludes this letter by saying, hey, you need the peace of God and the love of God and faith in God and, come on somebody, the grace of God. Praise God. Come on, I just wanna clap for the grace of God in this place. I'm so thankful for the grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. You know, it's funny that the same way Paul closes this letter is the same way Paul opens this letter. The bookends of the book of Ephesians, it's grace. Ephesians chapter one, verse two, he says, grace to you. Paul says, dear Ephesians, when you open this letter, I'm still in chains, but I just wanna speak grace over your life. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What an opening introduction. J. Vernon McGee says that grace is the key word of the epistle. It opened the epistle in Ephesians 1-2, and the subject of the epistle, Ephesians 2-7-8, which we just read, and now concludes the epistle. It's fitting. It's a fitting word because it's God's grace which saved us and which sustains us today. It's the grace of God that first drew you to repentance. It's the grace of God that first wooed you to fall in love with Jesus it's the grace of God that's gonna follow you even when you blow it tomorrow, amen? Come on, it's the grace of God that meets us in our struggle. It's the grace of God that meets us in our shortcomings. It's the grace of God that meets us in our triumphs. It's God's grace. No wonder Paul concludes pretty much every one of his letters with a similar statement. I mean, I'm curious, what would you conclude your letter that would be fitted perfectly in the Bible? What would you close that letter with? What would, you, what would your final statement be? Paul says it's grace. What's the message of the Christian faith? Let me tell you, it's grace. Philippians 4, verse 23. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Colossians chapter 4, verse 18 I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Galatians chapter 6 verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brothers, amen. 1 Thessalonians five twenty-eight. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 23. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Paul can't conclude his writings without reminding us of God's grace. Grace personified is Jesus himself. The foundation by which we land on, come on, is a foundation of grace. I'm so grateful that the foundation our lives are built on is not the law but his grace. Paul tells us that it's the letter of the law that will actually destroy you because you'll never measure up. You can never take the law of God and lay it over your life and say, yeah, I'm clear of that. You'll always be guilty. In fact, this shirt I'm wearing is probably making me guilty of one of the commandments that I'm breaking at this moment. The haircut that you probably have right now is makes you guilty of one of the law commands, and, and eating, a dietary law, a Sabbath law, the, uh, all types of different food laws, all types of different worship laws, right? We're continuously breaking God's law, but praise God for grace, that we don't stop at the Old Testament, we continue to journey this thread of grace, moves all the way into the New Testament, which moves into today. I would argue today we're still living in New Testament days, until Jesus comes back, we're still going. Like we're right now, this could be like the book of Acts chapter 137. And then walk church got planted in Las Vegas. And the saints gathered together in a warehouse on a Sunday morning and it was hot and they had fans blowing. We're still writing a chapter. And they, and, they, and they really believed in grace. The grace of the Lord be with you all in Christ. Grace in the morning, amen, when you wake up. Grace in the afternoon when you're tired and maybe you had thoughts you shouldn't have had. Maybe you said something you shouldn't have said. Grace in the evening time when you have evening evaluation. How did I do today? Not so good. Grace. Then you do it all again, amen. I love the grace of God. Max Lucado says the meaning of life the wasted years of life, the poor choices of life, God answers the mess of life with one word, grace. God says, yeah, I know you blew it. I already knew you were gonna blow it, but I have a word for you, grace. I believe that it's, it's grace. It's, it's the gospel race, amen? Like for the Christian, There's a new race. You know what it's called? Grace. That's where we follow. I'm I'm a a grace giver, I'm a grace receiver. Like I'm grateful for ethnicity, I'm grateful for cultural background, I'm grateful for everything that we have and bring and how God intricately made each and every person with so much unique creativity in the heavenly places. But what proceeds all of those things is grace the grace of God. We're we're actually swimming in a pool of grace. We're actually under a waterfall of grace in Christ today. Brother, sister, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and savior, stop what you're doing right now and move yourself from under this dry tornado that you're in and fall underneath the waterfall of grace that washes all your sin away from now until eternity. Why would you work so hard to try to earn it when you could receive God's grace. Love how Jerry Bridges writes it. In his book on grace, he says, Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. Your best days are never so good that you're on beneath you're, that you are beyond the need of God's grace. The bookends of our lives are grace. That's why Paul opens the letter and says, Grace to you, and why he closes the letter. Grace to you. I love the grace of God. The grace that we need, the grace that we receive, is the same grace that we should give. Amen. Walk Church, I want to just share this from this letter that if you've received grace today, be willing to extend grace today. Somebody in your life is going to let you down. Can I get a big amen? I mean, you don't got to tell them right now. All right. But just so we're all on the same page, somebody's going to let us down. Oftentimes, it's the people closest to us, friends and family. But if you can be a picture of God's grace to them, it's the grace of God that wooed us in the first place. It's It's the kindness of God that led us to stop sinning. It's the grace of God that changed us inwardly which then changes us outwardly. It's the grace of God that made Jesus step down from heaven to intervene in our sinful, messy world. Let me just remind you before we conclude this sermon of the words of St. John in chapter one. John chapter one. Starting in verse 14, we see this on display. It says, the word, the Bible, the book, put on skin. Come on, the mystery of the gospel, amen? Amen. The beauty of the faith we believe in is that Jesus put on flesh and dwelt among us and we've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of, what's he full of? I wonder if they were like, man, Jesus, you're full of it. It's full of grace. And truth. That if you cut Jesus open, you're gonna see truth and grace spill out some of us, we are just so heavy truth. We're lopsided. We're like, man, we're like big, a big truth ball. And then some of us are like a big grace ball. There's like, man, do you got any truth in yours? It it's all grace. Do you have any grace in yours? It's just all truth. I love how Jesus says it's both. I am grace and truth. I'm full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and, cried out, this was whom he said, who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Next verse. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. From the fullness of Jesus' bank account, we now receive grace upon grace. Amen, Manu? Come on, brother, right? I just wanna, I wanna receive that reminder that it's from the fullness of Christ that we receive grace and then tomorrow we tap into more grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The best definition of grace is just a picture of Jesus. I'm an imagery learner. I love the dictionaries that got pictures of things, amen? I'm a picture book guy, grace. Open up the dictionary to the word grace. Hopefully you'll find a picture of Christ. Who's here for you today. I recently read this story about, it's a fictional story, but hopefully this little parable will encourage you. The story says that the Lord's team was playing Satan's team in a good old game of baseball. The Lord's team was at bat the score was tied 0-0, zero to zero, and it was the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs. In heaven, they continued to watch as a batter stepped up to the plate whose name was Love. Love swung at the first pitch and hit a single because Love never fails. The next batter was named Faith, who also got a single because Faith works with Love. Amen? The next batter up was named Godly Wisdom. Satan wound up and threw the first pitch. Godly wisdom looked at it, looked it over and let it pass because godly wisdom does not swing at Satan's pitches. Amen? Ball number one. Three more pitches and godly wisdom walked to first base because godly wisdom never swings at Satan's throws. The bases were loaded. The Lord then turned to Bob in heaven and told him that he was now going to bring his final star player. Up to the plate steps Grace. Bob said he sure did not look like much. Satan's whole team relaxed when they saw Grace, thinking they had won the game. Satan wound up, fired his first pitch to the shock of everyone. Grace hit the ball harder than anyone had ever seen. But Satan was not worried. His center fielder, the prince of the air, let very few get by him. He went up for the ball, but it went right through his glove and hit him right in the face and sent him crashing to the ground. Then it continued over the fence for a home run, and the Lord's team won. The Lord then asked Bob if he knew why love, faith, and godly wisdom could not get on base but could not win the game. Bob answered, He didn't know why. The Lord explained, if your love, faith, and wisdom had won the game, you would think that you had done it by yourself. Love and faith and wisdom will get you on base. But only my grace can get you home. It's Only the grace of God that can bring you home. It's the grace of God, church. It can only be received. It can't be bought by anything you've done. It can only be bought by the blood of Jesus. As we close up Ephesians 6 and we say, Lord, help me to stand, we stand by grace. We're grateful for the peace of God, the love of God, the faith in God, but it's the grace of God. that holds us together. It's the grace of God that we walk in today. If you don't know His grace, if you don't know Jesus by faith, it's not about what you've done, it's about what He's already done in your place. And today, I wanna encourage you to receive Him and His grace in a fresh way, even for the believer in here today. You could be a believer in Jesus for 20 years and then drift from grace and leave your first love. Today, the the lesson is to get back to your first love, the grace, amen? The grace of God. Final quote from Dr. Warren Wiersbe. He says, notice the words Paul used as he closed this letter. Peace, love, faith, grace. He was a prisoner of Rome, yet he was richer than the emperor. No matter what our circumstance may be, in Jesus Christ, we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. Amen? Amen. Let's close. God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your grace, Lord. For only grace can bring us home. God, maybe today there's somebody in the room that needs to be reminded of that waterfall. Maybe you haven't been given the grace that you need to give. Maybe you haven't been receiving the grace. God is telling you. He's screaming. He's proclaiming. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He has grace for you. It's not about what you can earn. It's already been paid. Receive his grace. Fall deeper in love with grace. So today, God, if there's somebody who needs to be saved, if there's somebody who needs to repent of their sins and receive your grace, I pray right now, you just lift your hands, receive God's grace. Just join me in this prayer. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you died for me. You rose from the grave given me grace, you've shed your blood, cleanse me, cover me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Just tell them right now, I turn away from sin. I repent from all the sins in my life. Every sin that you know of that sin, turn away from it by grace. And today, turn to Jesus with faith and meet a Savior with blood-washed hands who is ready and willing to receive you and love you and walk with you all your days. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can we just go ahead and thank the Lord today?